If you're brand new with us today, my name is Matt, and I'm glad that you're here today. Uh, I got to speak last week on loving our enemy and, um, you know, just encouraging Christians in here to, if we're going to reach people around us, we really got to change our approach in a lot of ways. And, and we can't really judge people into the kingdom of God or debate people into the kingdom of God. Man, we, we love them through radical love. And so that was last week. And, and today we're going to talk about trials. <laughs> Welcome to church. It's going to be a fun day, y'all. It's going to be all chipper and happy. And so uh, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, and, and uh, we're going to be there for, for a little bit. And man, I want to start this, sir, this, this message off with the idea that, man, we serve a faithful God. He is faithful and he is a good God and he is, he is in control and nothing, is, nothing shocks him. He is faithful from generation to generation. He has no beginning and end. He exists outside of time. He's created all things. He spoke things into existence. He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of everything that, that our lives, man, we, we should give it to him. And, and when maybe we feel like he has left us or we feel confused or we don't understand certain things, we know that God's truth is that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. He's always with us everywhere we go. He's, God, he's Emmanuel. He's God with us. And so uh, today I want to talk about trials and I want to talk about the tests that we face in this life on this side of heaven, you know, and, and I, I tend to think of them as, as a crossroads. If you'll just think about that with me for just a split second, a test, a trial, a difficulty that we go through in life, it's a crossroads and, and we get the opportunity to um, walk through a hardship and trust the Lord, right? We're going to take one route and we're going to go with the Lord and we're going to trust him and no matter what life throws at us, uh, uh, we're with him no matter what. Or for a lot of people, we will take another way and we will end up walking away from the faith and walking away from the church because of what we're dealing with and what we're going through is so hard and we can't understand it and we can't reconcile it in our mind and we're done. And you know, every time we face something and all of us in here have faced something in our lives. And if you haven't, that's awesome. Congratulations, uh, buckle up because I'm sure life will eventually throw something at you that is difficult and that's hard. And you will have a choice to make as well. You'll either trust God and say, man, this stinks, but I trust you. Or you begin to doubt him and you allow this pain to, to drive a wedge in between you and the Lord. And like many of us, maybe some of your friends, some of your family members, coworkers that have walked away from the church and say, I don't want anything to do with it. Right? Trials are a part of our life and how we deal with them says a lot about our faith in Jesus, right? It says a lot about our faith. And so... You know, all of us in here, I'm speaking to the Christians today uh, in the room, and, and my, you know, my heart, my desire is to call even myself into a deeper commitment with the Lord. You know, to drive our stake in the ground and say, no matter what, I'm going to follow you to mature in our Christianity, right? We don't want to just be surface forever. We want to we grow in the things of the Lord, and we want to, to strengthen our, our, our faith in Him, no matter what. And so I got this definition, kind of Christian maturity, is choosing to follow Jesus no matter what. Pretty simple, right? You want to be a mature Christian? Do what he says. Don't second guess it. Follow God's will, follow God's way, and, and follow him no matter what life throws at you. You may hit the jackpot and you may be a multi-gozillionaire, right? You may have a great life. Great, congratulations. Or, you know, you, you may not, and you may struggle, and you may wrestle, and you may go through some difficult times, but no matter what life throws at me, 
I'm going to choose to follow him. I'm going to run this race and I'm going to stay committed to the Lord forever, right? That's what we all hope. We, we hope to not allow circumstances to, to deter us and to push us away from the Lord. But what we're going to look at here in a second, they should draw, draw us to the Lord. First Peter, First Peter chapter 1, there's three, um, there's three crossroads or tests that I want to share. There's lots and lots of them, um, but these are three that I've personally been through. Number one is pain, Right? Many of you have been there as well. You've gone through some type of pain in your life and you are, you, maybe you're struggling. It's a crossroads and you're trying to figure out, man, how can God be a good God and allow me to go through this, right? I've been there. Number two is, is control. I think this control is, is a crossroads in a lot of ways. It's a test. I think we like to be in control of our life and I think we want to you know, have all the things and everything be in perfect order. But in reality, when we give our life to Christ, we're actually surrendering our control to him. And so when we come to these moments in our life where we're grasping onto life and it's not going the way you want it to go, you have a choice to trust the Lord and to follow him no matter what or to doubt him and to say, man, how can he be a good God and, and all this just fall apart? And then third is disappointment. Maybe some of you in here today, maybe you've been disappointed in your faith, in your faith journey with the Lord. Maybe the Lord didn't answer your prayer in the way you wanted him to answer it. At least you thought, Right? And you're disappointed and you're confused and, and, and you don't understand what he's calling you to and why, you know, Arthur preaches about these things that are hard and it's difficult and I don't get it. And so, man, I don't, I don't want anything to do with this kind of thing, you know. And so these are three tests that I've been through that I think you guys have probably been through. And, and, and um, you know, this message isn't going to be that necessarily the easiest one, but I want it to be an encouragement to you to stick in there and to trust and to believe in a faithful God who will never leave you or forsake you, Right? That's what we want to do, all right? So number one is the crossroads of pain, right? This, this test of pain. You know, unfortunately, pain is a part of our life. It's, we live in a fallen world, right? Sin is here, and so we're going to deal with pain and struggle, right? We all hate it. It's difficult. It's not fun. And, uh, you know, sin brings a lot of it on, and so, sometimes it's self-inflicted pain, right? We make bad decisions, <laughs> In our life, we make bad financial decisions or, or our relationships are falling apart or, you know, things at work aren't going so great because of what you, you know, things here and there and did and all this stuff. Or maybe your, your coping mechanism is an addiction and, and you struggle to, to, you always turn it back to, to a habit or whatever it might be, but it's self-inflicted pain. Maybe it's pain by, by somebody harming you, you know, maybe it's something that maybe you didn't do, but, but somebody did you wrong. They cheated you or they took advantage of you or they, they abused you or whatever it might be, but it was inflicted by, on you from somebody else, but it's pain nonetheless, you know. Uh, it's, maybe it's a sudden illness, right? You've Perfect health, a family member, perfect health, and then boom, you know, something onsets. And it's pain, and it's, maybe it's a physical pain or a mental pain or an emotional pain that you're dealing with. Maybe you're lonely in here, right? We're in a crowded room, you know, a few hundred people right here. And even in the midst of all these people, you feel alone, and it's painful. And you go home at night, maybe you're not married, and, 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 and you, you're just all alone, and you struggle with that. And you're like, Lord, how, how, can, how can you be a good God and love me, and I go through such pain? You know, these feelings are real. You know, I'm not trying to make light of your pain and say, oh, yeah, it's, it's whatever. No, it's real, man. We're, we're humans. We have thoughts. We have feelings and stuff. But so many people end up walking away from the Lord and say, man, I, I can't deal with this because of this pain, you know. 
First Peter uh, chapter one, we're going to look at this really quick. First Peter chapter one, we're going to start in verse six. It says, in all this, you greatly rejoice. Now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, right? Suffer grief in all kinds of trials. A lot of different things you'll go through, suffering, grief. Um, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I love that. Verse 8, I love this too. Though you have not seen him, what, this is such a faith verse. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. I love that. No matter if we're going through trial, if we're going through pain, heartache, agony, we can still be filled with joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, let me back up just for a second. It started that little section and says, um, in all of this, you greatly rejoice. Well, what is he talking about? Well, Peter just got done talking about how you and I, we have our living hope in the resurrected Christ because Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross and rose again. Christianity and following Jesus and everything that we believe is real. It's incredible, right? He rose again, securing our salvation and heaven and our eternal reward for good. And he's saying, man, we can rejoice in that. It's amazing. And he's saying, you have an inheritance that will never spoil or fade away and nobody can steal it away from you. It's yours forever. And he goes on to talk about how uh, it's heaven and, 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 you know, I say this a good bit, but heaven isn't necessarily just a place. Heaven is where God is and we're going to be with him. And that's what's amazing, you know. And so he, he says, hey, man, in all this, you, you can rejoice. And, and, and he goes on to say, hey, you may suffer trials of all kinds, suffering, grief, struggle, pain, right? And the purpose in the pain is this, that it ends up testing your faith in that making sure it is genuine and real. So if you ever question, man, man, why, why am I struggling, man? Why am I going through this pain? Well, it's because fallen world, it's because of sin. But man, these things, when you come to the crossroad of pain, you need to think about it. Every time you hit something, every time you hit something, every time you hit something, man, this is a moment for me to say, God, I believe you and I trust in you. And no matter how hard this is, I'm, I'm staying. And that's what Peter is saying. Hey, hey, Christian, hey, fellow believer, stick in there. What is to come? Heaven that's coming. Jesus is coming. God's coming. Man, it is worth it. Don't give up. Stick in there. You know, it talks about suffering and pain all, all through the Bible. There's a Romans passage, Romans 8. This is Paul talking right here. Uh, um, talking about how I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us, you know. And so um, just to kind of illustrate this thing really quick, you know, Arthur used this, uh, this rope the other day. Um, and at the nine o'clock service, I had a huge knot right there. And so it kind of fell apart a little bit, the illustration. But today I got it. I mean, I got it at nine o'clock. We're good. We're golden. So anyway, um, this is, I'm going to illustrate this really quick with, with this rope. This rope is a timeline, all right? Think about this as in a timeline. And here, here's the beginning of time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? So boom, here it is. You and I, we think in time and space. It's how we're created. We're very limited in that. God, he exists outside of time and space, right? So we know that he's always existed. He's always been, you know, here. He has no beginning and end. It's kind of mind-blowing if you really think about it. If you kind of go down that trail a little bit, it's like, whoa, dude, that's nuts to think about. But 
that's God. And I'm glad I can't figure everything out. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so we're going to go through some world history in about 10 seconds. So just give me some slack here. We need probably some, some other people up here. Um, so anyway, Adam and Eve, boom, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And so here we are, he's walking with Adam and Eve, they sin, kicked out of, you know, kicked out of the garden. Um, you know, you got Abraham and you got Noah and the ark and all these uh, races and, you know, other civilizations coming into play and, and Abraham and all this and Roman empire and, you know, on and on and on. And, and this is God's plan, right? We believe that, right? This is history. This is his. He spoke everything into existence, he created you and me. He knew you before the foundations of the earth. And this is his story, right? Adam and Eve, they sinned, but God ends up sending his only son to redeem us and to save us. And so, boom, here he is. Jesus comes to the earth. It's great, right? A little while later, he dies on the cross. You know, um, he ascends into heaven. Man, thousands of uh, Christians are being added to the church daily and Roman persecution and on and on and on and all these other, you know, Asia's developing and, and India and, and Africa. All these other civilizations are coming about. And fast forward, keep going, boom, boom, boom. 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean. Is that the right date, 1492? I think that's right. I told you, man, I'm not good at history. So 1492, Columbus, anyway, fast forward, boom. We get all the way into the 19, you know, 1990, I don't know, Maybe, well, let me back up. 1955 or 1975 or whatever your birthday was, the year that you were born, boom, here you are. Okay? For me, it was 1981. Okay? 1981. And here I am. We've got to zoom way in here. Okay? Zoom way, 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 way in here. And here's, here's Matt. All right? Oh, I had a great childhood. Right? Grew up. Had a lot of fun. You know, played sports and basketball. It was awesome. You know, went to, you know, uh, went to Bible college, got married, you know, awesome, did some really cool things. You know, maybe you have a similar story, you go to college, you get married, right? Great. You know, zoomed way, 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 way in here. And then all of a sudden, age 32 in your life, you experience some pain. You have a moment where your life is just wrecked and you struggle and it's hard and it hurts. And then all of a sudden, you kind of are sitting at a crossroads and you you begin to question whether or not God is a good God. You forget the fact that he has held this thing together through thousands and thousands of years and God's word has endured forever and will endure forever. And you and I, we have a bad day. And again, I'm not making light of what you're going through. I'm just saying we, we judge God's goodness in the future and the hope and the glory and all the stuff that, that's to be revealed in heaven and all the past. And we say, how can he be a good God and allow me to do this? And we question it all. Like, man, I, how, how, what? I don't understand God. And then people end up abandoning and walking away. You know, Paul, he definitely understood pain. I mean, he was shipwrecked. You know, he was beaten to death, falsely imprisoned, you know, bitten by snakes, you know, hunger, starved, all this stuff, and dealt with some great pain. And even he said, man, this present suffering isn't worth nothing to what's coming. So, man, Christians, stay in there. When you, when you come to a moment of pain in your life, allow it to prove, here's the point, one test that every, everyone will face is will you allow your pain to prove your faithfulness to God? Will you allow the stuff that you go through, prove it, let it be a training ground, let it be a proving ground that you are his sheep and you are following his lead, all right? Number two, let's move on. Uh, turn me to John 21 real quick. 
I'm going to bounce around a little bit, but these are just some of the passages that really stuck out to me in the past couple of months um, and uh, just really been speaking to me. Um, number two, the, the test of control. I think all of us love to be in control, right? We're taught to be in control. Man, take life by the horns. You know, be, you're the captain of your ship. Lead this thing. Go for it, man. And, and, and that's not all bad, but, you know, we've got our life you know, planned out to the detail, man. We want to make, you know, $200,000 a year and we want to have three homes, one on the beach and a couple other places and we want to have 2.5 kids and a couple cars in the garage and it's great, right? We want to have a career when we retire by 45, right? Sounds awesome, you know, and we've got all this planned out, but what we're going to end up finding out is life doesn't necessarily play out exactly how we want it and in large part, it's because you and I are not in control of our lives. We're not in control. And that's a very difficult thing when we give our hearts and our lives to Jesus. We're saying, Lord, here you go. Here's my life. Mold it into whatever you want it to be. And we come to these places, especially as adults in our 30s and 40s, when, you know, we're career hungry and we're ready to go after this thing. And, and then all of a sudden it just doesn't turn out the way you thought it was. And so John 21, let's read this. This is a passage um, kind of where Peter gets reinstated. Um, this is after, um, you know, this is after Easter, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples and hanging out, you know, and they're eating. And so this is what it says. Uh, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Scholars think he's pointing to his fish. Like they're sitting there eating, right? It'd be like Jesus coming up to you and saying, Hey man, do you love me more than tacos? And, uh, the answer is, man, I love tacos, but yes, Lord, I love you more. Tacos are great. And so that's what he replied. Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Jesus is telling him to take care of the followers of, of him. He said, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep, right? He is the shepherd, we are his sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This is interesting. And Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him the third time. It's interesting, you know, Peter denied Jesus three times. And this is Jesus bringing healing to Peter. And he's asking him, does he love him three times? It's interesting, the parallel here. And, and, uh, it's, and it's also interesting that there was hurt. Peter was hurt. You know, when we walk through something, when we make bad decisions, when we go through a, a life and, and, and it's a struggle and, and we walk away or whatever it might be, you know, a, a large part of us, we just don't even want to go and deal with it. We don't even want to walk through healing because we know how painful that is and how, how hard that is. But I'm telling you, when you're willing to walk through something again, when you're willing to go through the process of healing and overcoming addiction, overcoming whatever it might be, yeah, it's hard, it's painful, it hurts, but man, is there freedom on the other end of this thing. There's freedom and there's hope and there's life in Jesus Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. So if you've got your Bibles, you can underline that, right? He's going to be led where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. This is a story of Peter from young to old, right? Jesus is walking through and in this eventual death that Jesus is talking about, Peter's going to suffer an upside down crucifixion, right? And he's going to be led to where he doesn't want to go. And this whole idea of control 
What you and I have to realize is when you give your life to Christ, what you're saying is, God, I give you control of my life. Lead me wherever you want to go. You know, the sheep-shepherd metaphor, uh, you know, in, in, in one sense, it's, it's cute and it belongs on a stained glass window somewhere, right? It's beautiful or maybe it's a bad felt piece of art on your grandma's wall in her house or something like that. I don't know. And, and we, we look at this picture and, and a lot of us identify with the shepherd more than we identify with the sheep, right? We think we're in control. Oh, look at that. That's cool. I'm a shepherd. That's me. That's me. I'm the shepherd. Like, well, no, you're not. We're the sheep, we're led wherever the shepherd wants to take us, man. We're taught, man, it's so countercultural. You know, the self-help industry, you know, is billions and billions of dollars, so much, right? Um, and we're taught this, man, take control of your life. You're in control, you're in control, you're in control. I was listening to a, a, a speaker, he's an author and a speaker, and he was talking about, you know, self-help, and he's talking about this passage. His name's John Mark Comer, and he says, the great lie of American self-help is that we're in charge of our lives, and like any good lie, it is full of truth. I had to chew on that for a minute. You know, any good lies, it's full of truth, but it's not all truth. You know, you and I, at some point, we will realize, we're going to come to a test that we're not in control of our lives. That it's him. That we're giving ourselves over into the care of our father. We find out life isn't working well and it's, we're struggling and a lot of times we just want to grip onto life even more and more and more. And it's spiraling out of control. We've got to realize that Jesus is our shepherd and we are his sheep. And the question is this. The one test that everyone will face is, are you willing to be led where you don't want to go? Are you willing to be led where you don't want to go? Peter was, will end up being led to his own death for Jesus. And are you willing to be led where you don't want to go? Maturity in Jesus is saying, I'm going to follow you no matter what. Wherever you lead me, God, I'm, I'm, I'm right behind you. I'm right behind you. You know, what, one of the hard things about the Christian journey, sometimes we don't know where we're going, right? We don't, we, you know, where we want to go, we're not going. And where we, you know, where we'd like to go, you know, we don't understand. And, and, and so it's, it's, it's a struggle. It's, it's a wrestle but the blessing here is this, man, when we finally give our life over to Christ truly and say, God, I'm yours, we take that burden of control off of us and we allow him to mold our life into whatever he wants it to be and then ultimately, man, there's heaven to gain once he returns. It's amazing, right? All right, and then finally, as we, as we wrap up here, the, the, the test of disappointment. Flip back a little bit to John 6. This is another passage I was in, uh, you know, just been studying some. John 6, and we'll be uh, in verse 60. Um, just like I said at the beginning, ha have you ever come to a point in your walk with Christ where you're disappointed? Where you think God has failed you? Maybe you even said those words or even thought those words. Maybe you wouldn't say it out loud, but you definitely thought those words. God, I'm disappointed in how you answered my prayer. God, I'm, I'm, I'm so confused by what I'm going through in my life. I have no direction in my life and I've been looking and I've been, you know, studying and trying and talking. I just don't know what I'm here for. I'm just so disappointed. I'm so confused. I don't understand, Lord. I think a lot of us have, you know, and, and John 6 is a moment, uh, you know, it's a very sad moment where tons of people end up walking away from him because they didn't understand. They were disappointed in him. 
And they abandoned Jesus. And so let's read this. John 6, verse 60, real quick. It said, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father enables him. In verse 66, from this time, many disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now to back up and give a little context, Jesus is actually talking to, to, to three groups of people. I mean, you can kind of look at this in a couple of different ways, but he's, he's talking to people that just straight up didn't believe in him. He's talking to his 12 disciples, right? Those people that were close to him. And he was also talking to another group of disciples, right? Some people that were following him in his ministry and that they were around. And, and, and so how did we get here? You know, he, you know he, he opens up and says, on hearing this, many of his disciples said this was a hard teaching. Well, what happened was, is that Jesus got done performing some awesome miracles, man. He just fed 5,000 people, right? And he just got done walking on water and all this cool stuff. And, and all these people kind of ran up on Jesus and found him again. And Jesus ends up calling these guys out. He ends up saying, yo, the only reason why you're even here with me right now is because we fed, because I fed you, right? I gave you lunch, you know, I just got you some loaves and fishes. And that's the only reason why you're following me around. And he goes on to teach the bread of life passage. It's amazing. The bread of life. He talks about, yeah, you, you're looking for food, but what you're really looking for is me. I'm the person. I'm the bread of life. And anyone who comes after me will never hunger and thirst again. It's an amazing passage. People are like, what? I don't understand, man. Give me some fish. Man, I'm hungry. Give me some bread. What you talking about? You're the, you're the bread of life, you know? And, and, and Jesus con continues to teach this thing, right? He's teaching. And he ends up wrapping the idea up. He says, and unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life. And what happens? People say, this is a really hard teaching. I do not understand this. And so they come to this crossroads moment, right? And they make a choice and they say, I don't understand this. This Christianity thing is confusing to me. This following Jesus thing is confusing to me. And I'm out. See ya. And they abandon Jesus and they reject his teachings forever. Pretty crazy. They were so shocked by it. They actually thought he meant cannibalism. Like, I'm going to go and take a bite out of this guy's arm. This is crazy. You know? Verse 60, you know, it says, on hearing it, many disciples said, this is a hard teaching. You know, hearing God's word isn't enough. That word hearing is a, a kenu, I think is how you say that. And it means to understand, but it just doesn't, it doesn't stop right there. It means to obey. As, as Christ followers, our job is to obey Jesus no matter what, to follow him and to obey him, to take him at his word and to do what he says. You know, these disciples here, you know, that walked away, who are they? I mean, it's, it's an interesting study, but some people call them disciples of the flesh and how they were really only there for their own personal fill. And when it came to giving their life completely over to Jesus, they were like, nah, man, we're out, peace. Can't do this. This is too hard. It's too confusing. I don't like this. 
And so they walked away. And he gets down, and after everybody kind of leaves, you know, you think about it, and he turns over to, to his 12 disciples, and he asks in verse 67, he says, uh, uh, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12, you know, given the fact of the, the rejection of all these other people, he was wondering if they were going to follow in suit, you know, following kind. And, and so Simon Peter answers amazingly. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. It's amazing. The 12 stuck in there. Peter didn't, Peter didn't claim to understand what Jesus said. It doesn't say, man, I hate that whole eating your flesh and drinking your blood thing. Yeah, I got that. I'm down with that. That's cool. Let's go. No, he doesn't claim to, to follow, uh, to understand that. He heard the same teachings. I was reading this one, this one author, and he says, colloquial language, Peter's answer was essentially something like this. Yes, I would like to walk away, but I'd know better. What I've heard I don't get and what I get I don't like, except deep down I know inside of me that I'm better off staying with you, Jesus, and getting it later than walking away and never getting it at all. You have the words of eternal life. Where, 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 who would I turn to? One test that we're all going to face is, will you remain steadfast with your commitment to the Lord over the long haul? Are you going to stick in there? You know, I've seen many, many people walk, you know, walk away and abandon the church and, 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 and say, man, I, I don't want anything to do with it, man. This, they're a bunch of hypocrites, right? A bunch of hypocrites at the church. You know, and they walk away and they can't hang. They, they just, they struggle just because they don't understand and they walk away and, you know, anybody who's, that's been in a commitment for a long time, be it a long, you know, marriage, um, you know, a, a religious commitment, a, a service to the community, whatever it is, you, you know, you know that there's moments where your, your commitment may be difficult. It may be hard. It may look like death because you've just been in this thing so long and it's tiring and I don't understand sometimes, right? But you don't walk away because you know this commitment is bringing you life. You know what Jesus has for you is eternal life and it's good. And so fellow Christians in here, man, what I'm, the challenge here is to act out of, out of values and not, and not feelings and to understand no matter what you face in life, you can rest assured that Jesus is our shepherd and we are his sheep and he's leading us all along. Our minds won't comprehend everything that we're going to face on this side of heaven. The hurt and the pain or the confusion or the control, the pride, all the stuff in this life that we're dealing with, we won't truly understand it, but he does. And he wants you to give your pain over to him. Give your struggle to him. Give your disappointment to him. Allow him to lead you where you don't want to go. My goal, you know, sharing this message is kind of where the Lord's just been speaking to me over the past couple of months and my readings and studying and stuff. And it's just like, man, God, give me the faith and the courage, Lord, to, to stay committed and to stay true to you. God, would you allow the pain that I face here on this earth to draw me closer to you and never to doubt you and away from you? Man, as Christians in here, we're not exempt from tragedy or trials or struggles. How we respond to them is very, very important. And so in just a moment, we're going to pray. And, um, you know, we're going to wrap up here in just a minute. And 
want you to ask the Lord for faith. You know, faith is a gift from him and ask for his strength, ask for his courage, that when you face hardships in life, that you stay, stay the course. Don't walk away. What you experience on this side of heaven doesn't compare. Give your life completely to him and allow him to lead you and guide you, okay? And then lastly, a bit of just practical advice here. You know, um, Arthur talked about it a second ago about getting in a life group, man. If you're going through life alone, I'm telling you, it is so much harder to deal with life's tragedies and struggles alone. Don't do it. Don't do it alone, man. We're called to bear one another's burdens and we're to spur one another on and encourage each other. God designed us to live in community with each other. Listen, we're not up here beating this drum all the time. Hey, get in a life group, get in a life group. Hey, y'all, get in a life group. Y'all are probably tired of us saying it probably because we talk about it all the time. And it's not for us. It's for you. And we want to encourage you to live in community. And I could march a bunch of people up here that have been in life groups for years and they would probably say, yeah, man, listen, the reason why where I'm, where I'm at is because, man, I've got brothers and sisters around me to support me and to love me and to encourage me through the hard times of life, through the difficulty. So please, get in a life group. Lead a life group. If there's not one for you, man, we would love to talk to you about leading a life group or host a life group. If you've got a great house and it's got space, host a life group because I promise you, man, we, we, First Peter says it, man, we, we're going to go through trials and struggles and we need each other. So when they launch in August, listen, I better see all of y'all signing up for a group. Do it. Don't delay, okay? Don't delay.